When not attending New York holdings, Guy Grand was generally, as he expressed it, on the go. He took cross-country trips by train. New York to Miami, Miami to Seattle, that sort of thing. Always on a slow train, one that made frequent stops. Accommodation on these trains is limited, and though he did engage the best, Grand often had to be satisfied with a small compartment fitted with scarcely more than the essentials of comfort. But he accepted this cheerfully. And so today, on a summer afternoon at precisely 2.05, it was with buoyant step, considering his girth, for at 53 now he was rather stout, that he climbed aboard the first Pullman of the Portland Plower, found his compartment, and began the pleasant routine of settling in for the long, slow journey to New York. As was his habit, he immediately rang the porter to bring round a large bottle of Campari and a bottle of finely iced water. Then he sat down at his desk to write business letters. It was known that for any personal service, Grand was inclined to tip generously, and because of this, there were usually three or four porters loitering in the corridor nearby. They kept a sharp eye in the compartment door, in case Grand should signal some need or other, and as the train pulled out of the station, they could hear him moving about inside, humming to himself, and shuffling papers to and fro on his desk. Before the train made its first stop, however, they would have to scurry, for Grand's orders were that the porter should not be seen when he came out of his compartment. And he did come out, at every stop. At the first of these stops, which was not long in occurring, Grand went quickly to the adjoining day coach and took a seat by the window. There he was able to lean out and observe the activity on the platform. He attracted little attention to himself, resembling, as he did, with his pleasant red face, any honest farmer. From the train window one could see over and beyond the station the rest of the small New England town, motionless now in the summer afternoon, like a toy mausoleum, while all that seemed to live within the town was being skillfully whipped underground and funneled up again in swift urgency onto the station platform, where small square cartons were unloaded from a central car. But amidst the confusion and haste on the platform, there was one recognizable figure, This was the man who sold hot dogs from a box he carried strapped to his neck. The red hot, he cried repeatedly, walking up and down parallel to the train and only a foot from it, while Grand, after a minute of general observation, focused all his attention on this person. And then, at exactly one minute before departure, he began his case with the hot dog man. Red hot, he shouted, and when the man reached the window, Grand eyed him shrewdly for a second, squinting as though perhaps appraising his character before asking, tight-lipped, How much? Twenty cents, the hot dog man said hurriedly, for the train was about to pull out. Mustard and relish, the red hot. Done, said Grand with a sober nod. And as the train actually began to move forward and the hot dog man to walk rapidly in keeping abreast of the window, Guy Grand leaned out and handed him a five-hundred-dollar bill. Break this? he asked tersely. The hot-dog man, in trying to utilize all their remaining time, passed the hot-dog to Grand and reached into his change pocket before having looked carefully at the bill, so that by the time he made out its denomination, he was running almost full tilt, grimacing oddly and shaking his head, trying to return the bill with one hand and recover the hot-dog with the other. During their final second together, With the hot dog man's last overwhelming effort to reach his outstretched hand, 
Grand reached into his own coat pocket and took out a colorful plastic animal mask. Today it was that of a pig, which he quickly donned before beginning to gorge the hot dog through the mouth of the mask, at the same time reaching out frantically for the bill, yet managing somehow to keep it just beyond his finger's grasp, and continuing with this while the distance between them lengthened hopelessly until at last the hot dog man stood exhausted on the end of the platform, still holding the five hundred and staring after the vanishing train. When Grand finally drew himself back from the window and doffed his pig mask, it was to face a middle-aged woman across the aisle, who was twisted halfway around in her seat, observing Grand with a curiosity so intense that the instant of their eyes actually meeting did not seem to register with her. Then she coughed and glanced away, but irresistibly back again.